It's September 30th, 2021, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Matthew. And we're your friendly neighborhood architects being geeky as we want to be. Well, hello once again, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Here we are. It's <laughs> like, holy crap, it's the end of September. What happened? I'm, I blinked and it's suddenly gone. Something's wrong. <laughs> I, I think there's some weird time-space continuum thing happening happening that, that I am just completely flummoxed. But here we are at the end of the month, coming up to the next podcast. But I guess, so, I mean, I took a week vacation, and you guys just got back recently from a week, right? I mean, you guys, well, you've gone for a little more than a week, right? Yeah, it was it was about a week. We uh, we left on a Friday and came back on Sunday. But we went to we drove twenty plus hours to Florida with uh, with the two kids and a mother in law in tow. So that was uh, interesting. We went to go see my uh, my sister in law and and her family in in Florida for a little bit. So that was it was a lot of fun. We had a good time, and the kids got to a lot of out time at the beach. So burning energy and getting them as tired as possible that's 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 always the goal <laughs> well that's good i mean i i know you had them at the beach i think last year but but do they understand it a little better or and get the water and understand the water a little better or is it just still kind of a the whole sand and and beach stuff still kind of foreign concept because we don't have them here i mean obviously we're in the middle of texas or on the middle of texas but the north end of texas so we don't get a lot of beach yeah, I don't think it's it's quite registered yet because they are still they're still terrified of any wave bigger than their knee. So anything that comes up, they're just they're they're just they're like, nope, not doing that. And we still had to convince William after the first day that sand was a good thing, not necessarily a bad thing. He kept just kind of he he was very uncomfortable walking on sand for about the first day that we were there so i think it'll re- I, it's starting to register but just not quite there yet well that's pretty cool though but but you know it's and it's good to take the time off i mean i, I think you know probably, probably one of the the downsides of the pandemic has been working from home and your your work is at home and for a lot of people so you tend to get kind of locked into that that notion of well i'm here i can i can work i mean it's just right there i can do some stuff and instead of working eight hours you're working 12 hours so yeah, I, th- I think we all, I think we all need that break to to get away. And I'm glad you guys were able to take enough time off to really, really enjoy it. But like we said, we're back with a podcast, and this is going to be something kind of interesting for us because we have been talking. <laughs> if you've been following the podcast this year, we've talked about a lot of things. I mean, a lot of different things, but they've honestly they've all had anything in common um, other than us talking. But this in a lot of ways we think we'll kind of bring a lot of that together or sort of kind of tie some of that stuff together. So you may hear us reference reference previous podcasts. And if you haven't listened to them, go back and listen to them because, because like I said, a lot, a lot of what we're talking about, you, you can just sort of pull all that thing together. You know, Matt, Matthew's goal here, I think was to really sort of maybe tie all those things together in a nice little neat package with a little bow on top. And we may or may not do that. So just, just bear with us. But um, I'm going to let Matthew talk about what it is we're really helping to, to achieve today or what we're wanting to really talk about today, because this is something that he's put a lot of thought into and, and 
I mean, we can go down all sorts of rabbit holes, so we're going to try to hold it together for you guys. But uh, Matthew, you want to kick us off and kind of get us into this? Yeah. So last week we were talking about shrinkflation and and how developers are finding new and creative ways to charge you more but give you less for whatever house or residential property you're buying. And with that idea, and the last thing that we touched on was the 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 little piece of code that focuses on zero lot houses, which is these uh, you know, where you're able to build essentially right on top houses, right on top of each other, right up to the property line, and as long as you follow a certain set of rules. And and while developers tend to over abuse that in a very negative way, we also said, hey, you know, we're we're not against density. Like zero lot houses have a specific use, and density can be a good thing when used correctly. So the podcast today is really expanding on that and and continuing the the thought process of and we're we'll, we'll just be talking about how the density that, that the density is a good thing and and the di- different ways to achieve that because and and this is where Larry's referencing oh here's all the other podcasts another another podcast we did a while back we we talked about subways and and how uh you know a lot of a lot of other countries are really celebrating their their subway system through the the, the stations and 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 it's a, it's a really neat little episode you should go check it out but so we're going to tie the idea of density in with public transportation use in a way that says you know Increasing density and increasing public transportation use through the expansion of light rail, subways, self-driving cars, etc., helps so many other things other than just jobs. Like politicians will hit up that idea, like, "Oh, look, we're investing in all this infrastructure, jobs, jobs. That's what it's going to do for you." But it really does so much more, and so we're really going to look at what you know, increasing that public transportation use and density really does for us. And 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 from and from a larger perspective, it's it's also about global warming because uh, in order to achieve our larger goals of keeping global warming in check under the two degrees by the uh, by Paris Agreement, whatever, however they they plan on doing that, part of that equation is 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 replacing I, uh, internal combustion vehicles with electric cars. But that really doesn't go far enough. Um, and the the other thing we need to start doing is reducing the number of cars that you use. And so and that goes along with more public transportation and, and higher density. And to start us off, when you remove cars from the road, the the, the overall big picture is that, that land use gets better. Let's take the big box store and and strip mall parking lots as as a primary example removing x number of cars and having people rely on public transportation to to get to those places or uber or uh, self-driving cars those parking lots just become empty and and so you have all of this real estate that you are now able to use for whatever else like that that land is really valuable um so I was watching the Dallas Cowboy game yesterday, and and the first, one of the shots that they always zoom out on when when they're coming back from a commercial break is the is the stadium. It's it's a 
UFO looking stadium. It's a really weird, but you know, it makes for a really good aerial shot. But all I kept focusing was on this giant sea of parking around it. And you're just like, well, that land around that stadium, despite the fact that it's a stadium is worth a buttload of money. And the only way that it's making anybody any money is once a Sunday for, you know, four or five months out of the year. It's really an underused resource that 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 could be contributing in, in, in other meaningful ways, like put apartments, put housing, like do do something other than just use that once a week in a certain time of the year. Well, you know, I used to live over there. So, so I grew up, you know, part of my, my time growing up was, was over by what is now Cowboy Stadium. And it wasn't just, it's not just the Cowboy Stadium now, it's the Cowboy Stadium. It's the Rangers ballpark, plural, because now they've built, you know, they built a second one, didn't tear down the first one. And of course, Six Flags Over Texas is over there. So you have this, you know, in addition to whatever's needed for just the the football stadium, you've got all this other parking for all these other venues that's just going on and on and on. And it's very much that very big sort of heat sink happening. And part of this idea of increasing public transportation is what if we could find a way to increase public transportation so we could get most of those people to the stadium via public transportation instead of requiring a giant giant parking lot to accommodate all the traffic we can get people there and, and train on bus however subway if we could do it um <laughs> get everyone there and then we don't need to have all of that parking we don't need to have that giant heat sink in the middle of for, for most part of the year doing nothing but generating heat and putting it back into the atmosphere and at the same time these stadiums not requiring the need to buy up entire neighborhoods and displace people and tear all this stuff down. So, so the, the potential there for not just the, you know, the public transportation to reduce the number of cars, the increase the density so you can get more people in these areas to access the public transportation. It's, it's interesting because, you know, everyone's paying attention to the football game. No one's paying attention to really what's happening around it, unless, of course, you're in a car trying to leave it. And then you get really, really focused on exactly what's happening in that parking lot. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so it, it not only helps with the heat island effect, because as many that many city, cities are, are dealing with, where you have so much concrete just continually absorbing heat as the day goes on and then just re-radiating it out through uh, throughout the, the, the course of the night. But another thing that it can help with is water and, and water management because, and you'll see this in a lot of housing developments, especially new ones, where they have crammed a buttload of houses onto a onto a, a you know a four or five acre site and then they have this this really nice pond at the front of the development and, and the developers advertise oh hey look we've got a really nice pond at the entry that you know residents can walk around and 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 it's a great amenity that to the community and and you're just going to love being here. So come buy one of our houses. Well, no, they, they, they put that pond there specifically because they're required to buy code. They crammed so much concrete on, or so much 
unpermeable surfaces, impermeable surfaces onto this X acre site that now they're required to retain the water on their side, any any rainwater that let me back up, any rainwater that falls onto your site, most cities require you to 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 hold on to it for a certain amount of time so that it doesn't overcharge the the sewer system. And by putting so many houses so close together, you are severely reducing the amount of rainwater that you're keeping on that site. And so most developers have to have this catchment area. Where they where where they are retaining a little bit more water, uh, just because they've packed so many houses together. Now imagine if you take cars out of that equation, like you don't have nearly as many streets that you have to worry about. That gives you either significantly more space that you can put houses on. If you're the cynical developer type, you know you can be like, oh well, that's more money in my pocket. Or if and if cities are smart about it, what they do is um, they say, okay, instead of requiring X amount of parking per bedroom, which is what they do now, you say, okay, instead of instead of one parking space per bedroom, it's now X amount of square feet of green space, and and now look at how much more valuable your development has become because now it's all green space and you don't have to worry about parking. Uh, you don't have to worry about g- giant s- seas of of concrete that you have to traverse to get from you know from point A to point B. It, it becomes a lot more valuable. Well, and I think the other thing too is is it also ties in back into this idea of creating these neighborhoods that are much more pedestrian friendly. You know, the the podcast we did uh, it's been a few podcasts ago, but. We were talking about how in New York they had blocked off something like 83 miles worth of streets within, the, within all the boroughs to create these more pedestrian areas. Basically, you know, so, sometimes it was blocking off entire blocks. Sometimes it was closing traffic down to a single lane. They really created these outdoor spaces for people, and the the thought of being able to do that within every neighborhood. You know, can, can we? Can we increase public transportation, reduce the number of cars, and in turn take these neighborhoods, make them a little more denser, but also eliminate eliminate having to have streets instead of being able to have areas where people could actually walk around and and engage with one another without worrying that traffic is going to come through and plow someone over. You know, it's it's that that whole notion of, I guess, the, the idea of, you know, as a car, if a car isn't necessary what do we do with all the space that we typically take up with them? And, and of course it comes back a little bit to density and it comes back a little bit to creating slightly nicer spaces. You know, one of the, one of the big caveats, one of the big, I think pluses for public transportation, really, as Matthew said, they'll talk about, Oh, well, you know, we're, we're doing all this infrastructure work. So we're, we're building new highways, we're building new this or whatever. And that's creates jobs for people. Well, that's all well and fine. But if you think about it, if we increase the public transportation and start taking these cars off the road, there's all these health issues that are associated with that, that we can start, we can help alleviate that, that those things can start hopefully fading away some, you know, we're not so bogged down with, with smog, not even that, just the whole, the whole idea of being stuck in traffic and the stress that causes. And, and a great example of this, you know, we, we are very great about building highways. I will say something about Texas. 
they just love throwing highway money around. And every time you turn around, they're doing something with one of the existing freeways. It's getting wider. It's getting repaved. It's something, this is, something's happening. A great example is Interstate 30 between Dallas and Arlington, which is where I grew up. Um, so in, in between that little stretch of, of road between Arlington and Dallas, that stretch of road has been redone so many times because, well, there's more traffic. It needs to be wider. It's more traffic. We need to have uh, HOV lane. It's just getting old. We need to redo it. I mean, there's just this constant, constant flow of money into this. You know, you take that money, you take that money and put it for public transport, transportation. You have that that sort of working for you on that aspect. But to to know that having a bigger highway isn't a good idea. I mean, you look at places like China, where you've got twelve lane highways and probably some of the worst traffic in the world. You know, there've been there've been documented cases of traffic jams that have just gone on for days. And and think about when the pandemic started and everyone was in lockdown. And one of the biggest things they talked about was how clean the air in China got, how clean the, how, how nice everything looked because there wasn't all of this traffic on the freeway. So you have that potential, you know, take the highway money, put it to public transportation, get people out of their cars so they're not stressed all the time, hopefully improve their health because they're not breathing in smog all the time. So there's all these aspects and all that coming back down to, again, creating maybe more dense neighborhoods, but dense neighborhoods that have a good public transportation hub so you can still get to where you need to go. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those, I don't know, odd things, I guess, where you just, we don't think about, we, we tend to think about public transportation as well. It's, it's, you know, in Dallas, it's a light rail. You're going to get stabbed. It doesn't get you where you want to go. I mean, all these little aspects to it, or, or for you to even get there means like, for me, it's a 12 minute drive in my car to get to the closest rail station sort of downplays downplays the use of public transportation but yeah i mean the there are definite advantages to it that i just think we tend to focus very narrowly on maybe one and don't realize that there's all these little expanding things that are you know kind of popping out of this well and 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 on a smaller scale like we're talking about cities and 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 an entire yeah entire multiple city entire metroplexes I, I i'd really like to zoom in on on the smaller scale and talk about just the single family house which is your typical suburb here in, and especially in north dallas what would happen if everybody could just get rid of their cars tomorrow you would automatically like that is 400 square feet of your house that you just got back out of a garage to me, that just means that my house value just went up by 400 times whatever the current price per square foot of, of Richardson is. <laughs> but it, it means you can have a room like I, I know that um, as as the as as baby boomers start aging, uh, th- there's a lot more aging in place. There's a lot more of multi generational living, where people are bringing their their parents or grandparents to live with them, uh, because it, it's a heck of a lot cheaper than putting them in a nursing home right now, and probably a little bit safer too, really. But y- you gain an entire that's an entire master suite to, for for most people. 
and 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 eliminating the garage can be a, a useful a, a more useful space like i have i have friends in our current neighborhood during the summer months they actually take the cars out of their garage and and throw down a ping pong table which they have folded up in a corner and and a lot of neighborhood kids just go to that house and and they play ping pong in because it's one it's in the shade so it's a lot more man, it's a lot more of a manageable <laughs> space in the summer in texas than than usual but you you, you so, so you you gain. You're able to. Oh my gosh, where was I going with that? Well, you gain this usable space. It, it becomes this this really, like you said, it's it's almost like a little bonus. You're not using your car anymore. So, you know, that's and that's a great example that these kids are using this space we typically park in for something that's not parking. You know, it's something that is hopefully beneficial for them. So yeah, so this idea, I think that that you're talking about, you know, on a much smaller scale, you you don't have you don't need a place to park. So now that space becomes yours. Of course, the cynical part of me says that space goes back to the developer to put, you know, if I if I add those all up together, I can put another house or two or three or ten or twelve. But again, it's that you're talking about, you know, it's that suburban neighborhood idea that well, I want a better neighborhood, so I will get in my car and I'll drive. 20 minutes past where I currently live to get that neighborhood and then drive another 30 extra minutes to get to work every day and back. So this is sort of weird mentality, but, but yes, if you can create these neighborhoods that don't require cars that don't, that don't require all this extra space. Now you've, you've really created a, a quote unquote suburban environment that may be more pedestrian friendly, that may be more family oriented, that may be, a more enjoyable space than thinking, well, I've got to go home, I get in my car, drive 30 minutes in traffic to get home, pull into my garage, and then I don't see anybody else because, you know, we all pull, you know, certain people just pull into the garage and go into the house and that's their day. So, yeah. So, so I think that this idea that on that smaller scale, yeah, let's figure out how we increase public transportation to the point where these suburban neighborhoods can really benefit from it. And people see it as an advantage. So yeah, I, I think it's it's like I said, we we tend to think very solely about infrastructure as being a jobs creation thing. And the reality is, is is it gives us an opportunity to do things like increase public transportation, so people have better access to jobs. There's less cars on the road. You potentially have better neighborhoods, and everyone overall really feels better. Um, everyone really feels better about themselves and about their day. So yeah, it's it's and, and again, this is this is that thing of I think we have in some ways touched on this in other podcasts. And somehow I I know we've talked about the whole jobs things because there's podcasts we did that talking about how people who have access to public transportation don't always have access to cars. And if you have a car, you have a better opportunity for other jobs besides you know, what's close to you. So yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it all kind of comes back together and, and I wasn't really expecting to do that. I think, <laughs> I mean, now, now granted, I didn't, I didn't come up with this topic, Matthew, this is all you. So kudos to you. I think this was, I think this was kind of a more, I think this was a, a, a good a good summary a good a good wrap up to to all the stuff that we've really been talking about this week or not this week this this year really <laughs> yeah De- yeah if we tried to talk about all this this week i think we both would have passed out but yeah definitely this year so 
so it's it's nice to kind of come back full circle and think we haven't just been randomly talking about things although sometimes it feels that way but anyway um we are going to let you guys go for now and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another podcast so we are going to try to maintain the two podcasts a month cycle so uh, i'm not sure what's up next but i'm sure we'll hmm I don't know. Our list says HOA is the last of the international series. I'm not sure about that. So we will see what we come up with on the 14th of October. In the meantime, I hope everyone is doing really well. It's finally the end of summer and temperatures are starting to get back to some sort of decent decent temperature. So yay. Happy for that. And as always, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach me at Spotted Dog Arch on Instagram and Twitter or Larry at SpottedDogArchitecture.com. And you can find uh, the podcast on Instagram at ArchGeeksPodcast, and you can find our website at ArchitectureGeeks.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye, guys.